Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio Success Express Show. Uh, supervision is what we're talking about today. Supervision, but really leading, and we're going to talk about leading for social justice. Uh, we met Rita Sever a few years ago when she released mm-hmm. her first book, Supervision Matters, 100 Bite-Sized Ideas to Transform You and Your Team. Her latest book is Leading for Justice, Supervision, HR, and Culture. And we're very excited because she's joining us as one of our Big Blend expert contributors. So you're going to hear on Big Blend Radio quite a bit uh, with uh, segments talking about supervision, HR, definitely talking about social justice, right? And at the same time, she'll be on some of our panel discussions and I'm sure some of our fun radio parties. But in the meantime, go to our website, supervisionmatters.com. So welcome back, Rita. How are you? Hi, it's great to be back. Thank you for having me. And this time we get to see each other. It's just more fun. Way more fun. (laughs) That's true. You know, leading for justice, I think this is important. We are we're getting more into social justice as a country. Um, I know mostly nonprofits, right? But then there's also companies and startups that are going, we need to have that element in doing good. And some companies decide to Mm -hmm. stay like a corporation. Don't ask me the all the legal stuff with that, but they're there to do good, but then decided not to be a nonprofit. But either way, it's still a business and you still have a team um, writing this for social justice and in, in organizations. I think it's interesting because it, just from what we know in regards to nonprofits, that sometimes you get so stuck in the work of what you're doing that you can really run in the ground just in burnout emotionally sometimes because you're working in serious issues sometimes depending on what you're doing. Um, But you can burn out and sometimes that HR part and that come on where a team thing goes away. Is that part of why you wrote the book? Absolutely. Yeah. I work with a lot of nonprofits and social justice nonprofits in particular. And what Mm -hmm. I saw over and over was that there was such passion and commitment to fighting oppression in the world Mm -hmm. that sometimes the staff felt left behind and were left feeling like, what about us? Don't we matter? And so Uh that's really part of what prompted me to write this book is about walking your talk internally as well as externally, keeping up the great work you do in the world, but bringing the focus on justice internally also. So yeah, being coherent as a team and being intentional about your policies and practices and culture. And what about the hiring part when you look at Mm -hmm. HR, the diversity of people coming into an organization, are you finding that it's happening within the social justice groups? Are they hiring in a diverse mix of people, obviously based on their qualifications, right? Because right. you can't just go yes. hire diversity, right? <laughs> Without the qualifications. Because right. I, I have to say that because you know someone's going to say something just now. We're right. Like, absolutely. <laughs> yes. You absolutely can't build justice by discriminating against anybody. So no matter which way you're going, you're going to be fair and um, appropriate in your hiring. Um, and yes, mm-hmm. I think people, a lot of organizations, nonprofits in particular, but every organization, I think, is looking to build their 
diversity in terms of staff demographics. Um, so there's a couple of things that I would say about that. One is that it's wonderful to do that and to be thoughtful about that. Um, and that's not enough. Just bringing in people of color or changing your demographics or LGBT or however your diversity shows up, just doing that isn't gonna be enough to help them stay. Often I see organizations bring in diversity, but then people leave within two years because mm -hmm. they don't feel supported, they don't feel included, oh. they don't feel understood or heard, and it doesn't work for them. And so they leave, especially if they were brought in with a commitment from the organization that we're going to walk our talk, we're going to really live out the justice values that we support, mm. and they don't experience that, then they end up feeling betrayed. And so mm. they leave. You, so you make me, yeah, you make me think of companies that I worked for years and way before we were self-employed and the word token comes right. to mind and it's a really bad word, but I mean, there, there were companies I worked for that hired token this, token that, and token this, so that they would look to be multicultural and embracing everyone, but in their actual practices, right. they weren't. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, the culture didn't change, the yeah. mindset didn't change. So people knew yeah. they weren't really welcome. They knew they were tokens. Yeah, and, that, and the word it's not was, a good feeling for anybody. No, no. the word, a token is something that. That's terrible. Yeah, I know. It's just a. Ugh, I just remember I mean, that. And that's actually, you bring up a good point of in exactly this is our language has changed up so much. And um, I mean, I don't know what to say anymore. Since you're not allowed to say cockpit of an airplane anymore. So, <laughs> so we have, we have this new language coming, which is, there's a lot of positives to it. And so within these organizations, isn't that also like we have to, the language has to change. Right. I, yeah, the language. Yes, we have to be intentional about how we use our words, how we use mm -hmm. our pronouns, how we talk about people and our colleagues. All of that is um, very telling of a culture. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, of course, changing our practices. Mm -hmm. One of the things I talk about in the book is the idea of hidden rules, mm -hmm. that they're not written down anywhere, they're not even spoken, but people know what you're supposed to do. And, you know, the, the typical hidden rule in um, a social sense is like you go to a fancy dinner and there's five forks and you don't know which one you're supposed to use. That's a hidden rule that tells people whether you belong there or not. In our, in our organization, <laughs> there are rules like that also that we don't talk about, but whether you know them or not shows um, people like you feel like you belong or you feel like you're being judged. So that's part of what we need to do is uncover our hidden rules and lay them out or change them or whatever we need to do so that we can be more welcoming. Well, it's also like you're saying, you know, the, mm -hmm. how to handle like with pronouns, with the language, it's, how much of it is, you know, 
continuing education with change, like reading books like what you have for leading mm -hmm. for justice in that, you know, understanding that because these things happen. And then we're like, why are people putting pronouns on their email addresses, their email signatures? Like, what is that? You know, so, right. yeah. you know, their Twitter handles and things. So, and if you ignore that in a nonprofit organization, you're not, you, you've got to stay with it, right? In, right. in that, as a, especially in HR. Especially, and on the other side, people need to understand why that matters. It can't mm -hmm. just be like, okay, this is a new rule and you, everybody use your pronouns. You need yeah. to explain why it matters that people, it's hard for people when they are mispronouned and it help, makes them feel a little less valued, sometimes a lot less valued. And so we want to mm -hmm. honor people by hearing who they are and how we should talk about them. So organizations need to explain that, not just issue a rule. But ah, it's perfect. interesting how the English language and other languages as well change up according to movies and books and all sorts of things that happen. They change up quicker. But the ideals and our and our values seems they're changing just as quickly, if not even faster, but for some reason that part it gets in the press but it doesn't seem to catch up as quickly as other things when it comes to writing and movies and things like that like movies are pretty good they're they're like oh this is new let's get on it but i feel like when it comes to books when it comes to the we're a little bit behind always I, yeah, I think that is the nature of our culture that the new ideas emerge often in practices first and then the yeah. media captures up. Occasionally yeah. it's the other way around, but usually I think it's sort of a grassroots change mm. that happens and then the language and um, our art catches up. Oh, you know what? I think I think the arts, thank God for the arts, because they tell yeah. the truth of the times, you know, right. they really do. But I look at, um, you know, the the whole Me Too movement and mm. some, unfortunately, some women did the wrong things with it and took it and abused what was the beauty of what was going on. Not not that mm. it's beautiful that we had to have them saying that it, it was a shift in a change, a positive it. change. Some did, you know, and I don't care what it is in the world. There's always that 1% or 2% of someone taking it and ruining a little bit. But um, in that movement, we saw so many men and so many, it, the laundry was coming out, you know, mm -hmm. but I did see some very high up nonprofit people end up in that mix. And I, I mean, I was like kind of flabbergasted, like what? And they voluntarily said, yep, I got to go. And I couldn't believe it. I, and I don't mm -hmm. even get into their names and cause it's, it's, but I was shocked to see some nonprofits that I mm -hmm. held up here in values. Mm -hmm. um, and it was crushing. I mean, I'm, we're talking right. about animal rights. I mean, we're talking about, I, I like, yeah, there was just certain people I could not, I, I was just shocked. Well, you know, because that, don't forget nonprofits to be successful have to be run as a business. So when you're looking at mm -hmm. running a nonprofit, you have to embrace the business side. You can't just embrace the good part of but the goal. That, that, 
And so when you're looking at people who work for a nonprofit, if they don't embrace the goal and have the business sense, then they're not really going to be maybe that helpful, depending on the position that they're going to work in. But you don't have to be ending up being one of those dudes. Right. Yeah, that's definitely an example where they weren't walking the talk. They weren't in alignment with the values of their organization. And that, again, people, staff feel betrayed and customers, um, Mm. supporters, donors feel betrayed. And that's a huge deal. Absolutely. It's a big mistake. It's a huge mistake Mm. because, quite frankly, how many conversations have we had about donating or supporting a nonprofit Mm. and it all goes to admin and then we hate the admin and why do you hate the admin? Where is that? I mean, you have to have the admin to make things work, Right. right? I think of admin as the skeleton of the organization. It's not mm-hmm. visible, but if you don't have it, it the you organization don't ha- nothing's going to work. It's not right. yeah. going to work. I don't think research? of admin as a bad word, but I know that often comes up in donations. But yeah, yeah, it, it keeps the boat running. You want someone to answer the phone, like, right. <laughs> or do you want them always out in the field? So there's that, but. The HR mm. part, I think, is interesting because we never think about that nonprofit-wise. Oh, here's the HR department. Because as far as I've always heard, it's like, oh, you have to go to the HR department. It's like going to the principal's office, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you. And right. then if you have to go beyond the HR, like now you're 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 being suspended from school. <laughs> exactly, and that's one of my big pushes. I want to change that idea of HR. Because Mm. I have been an internal HR person, and in my view, HR is about supporting the staff to do the important work that nonprofits are doing. And so I have a very different approach to HR than the police, which is what it's supposed to be the medium. Like I know, like a lot of uh, attorneys want uh, the HR people to be the person that helps with these rules so that there isn't, you know, sexual misconduct or anything you know what I mean that there isn't discrimination I mean that's what the HR person is to actually stand up for the employee right yes to protect both the employee and the organization and exactly there's so many ways to do that there's the compliance part but there's also listening to staff what do you need Mm -hmm. how can I support you how can the organization Mm -hmm. support you you know when we write a job description how can we make it engaging and interesting and appropriate in terms of the amount of work and you know how can we Mm -hmm. uh, keep the mission in front of people and so many ways that HR can really both help support the staff keep the organization safe and I talk in the book about how can HR operationalize these values of Mm. justice and inclusion that's important Mm-hmm. And it, it's in a very important position if HR can do it intentionally. If we don't do it intentionally, then we're just going to be replicating the dominant yeah. culture, which we know isn't. We're the tired best. of that. that <laughs> right. We're no, tired we of that. that. Listen, we are. No, okay. And then there's always, there's also age appropriate because when you read a book, you read from your own experience. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the older you are, the more experience you have, um, you read 
things and you answer in your own mind, well, this is this and that happened, that happened, and, and yeah. And then if you have someone reading the book who really maybe hasn't even held a job yet, mm -hmm. then there's going to be two different reactions to what's in the book. And that, that goes across board to any book. You know, it's a level of the reader. Where are they on, on the scale of understanding and uh, being able to assimilate without arguing, assimilate without, not that you don't want them to have their own ideas, I'm not saying that, but I mean, when I'm reading your book, I'm like, oh, I know who that is, and I know who that is, <laughs> I totally can right. people. Right now, somebody right. who hasn't held a job is is not going to be able to go there and know that person. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. They mm. definitely will approach it in a different way. They right. might have stories attached to the examples, mm. but they have the idealism and they know where they want to get and mm -hmm. how they want to get there. Right. And so I think they can use this as a roadmap almost. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's what I would and say. I wish I had it. Yeah. You know, that's how I kind of felt. Was I wish I had this before I took certain jobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, and this is the other part too. Yeah, where you're going for a job, you need to have that, you know, in that knowledge so you don't take the wrong job. Exactly. Yes. And in the book, I try after every topic, every section, there's questions mm -hmm. about how to make it your own. And if yeah. people of all different ages and backgrounds and cultures mm -hmm. can talk together about those questions, it can only help build understanding and recognition and respect for mm -hmm. the stories we bring to the table. Mm -hmm. I think this is also good beyond the nonprofit that there's so many startups coming up now and a lot of them are doing you know it's like if it's a food thing trying to do fair trade versus you know mass production that's really bad for the environment if they're doing more of a personal thing i mean we know a, a company we interviewed recently and it they're not a nonprofit, but you would think they are because they're mm -hmm. working to fight um poverty and women in africa they're doing an amazing oh fair trade friday everyone just look it up fair trade friday it's a club and it's a subscription box you get but it's made by women in africa in that are nonprofits. so they sell what these women are making and it goes back to women who were abused or raped and are now uh have you know kids to take care of and so they're just doing an incredible job but they're not a um nonprofit. and so there's these kind of companies happening all the time now um, people of different ages but there are a lot of younger generations now going we want to start companies that are socially conscious environmentally conscious and diverse and we're seeing them globally nationally you know locally just small but it gives them those tools to do the right thing and and when you start up and and i think that's what nancy you know what she was saying i think that's so crucial if you could have this handbook for what it is there, so you could have this. <laughs> you too can get this book, Leading for Justice, <laughs> supervisionmatters.com. Uh, read us ever, go get it. Um, but it helps to start. And also, I think board members of these nonprofits need oh. to 
read this, don't you think? Required reading before <laughs> mm -hmm. you get on the board. Right. Isn't it important for the board to be part of this conversation? Absolutely, because yeah. they set the direction. They look at the big, big picture. Mm -hmm. Well, in some ways, they look at the big picture. In other ways, they look at the small Dollars. picture. They do <laughs> have the power to change the direction of the organization, to support the direction, and to center the values again. And so I think they could learn a lot from the book. And what about volunteers? Because that's also something where when you're working for a nonprofit, it's like you're not supposed to make money. That's not true. You should be, everyone needs to be sustainable. That's part of being okay. socially just, right, is sustainability. So someone, you may be, I mean, doctors make money, you know, and, mm -hmm. except they're not doing, they have a big insurance bill, but they have a lot. It's not just what people think. But, um, you know, that whole idea of if you work for a nonprofit that you should be like the starving artist is not true and you have to be sustainable but um the volunteer you can't be treated like a volunteer either and that's something that i've seen in nonprofits where you can't really grow sometimes in there because it's almost like you're lucky to get what you want even though you're seeing money come in from fundraising and and that kind of thing so sometimes growth is stymied Sometimes it is. Sometimes that's just a factor of how big the organization mm, is, too. That's true. Mm. Um, I've worked in one nonprofit where our executive director had the spoken um, value or practice of in, up, and out. And mm. it was a little hard to hear as a staff member when she first started talking about this, like, you're going to push me out? But her philosophy was that's how we help build the whole sector, is we bring people in with experience to do the job but we teach them and we grow them and we move them up in our organization and then eventually they're going to go somewhere else and bring their skills and that that's good for all of us and so hmm. that's one way to approach that um, and I've seen a lot of organizations where people do come in as volunteers and then end up being hired by staff hmm. so I think there is a lot of different ways to look at that growth and to help people build their own confidence and skills and experience. Actually, I know a lot of people who have been hmm. volunteers and ended up being at the top of the organization, right. you know, it's 20 scary. years later or something, you know, 15, 20 years later, and they found what works for them. I think volunteering is just such a good thing to do. You learn stuff, you know, oh, yeah. but you also have to be socially just with your volunteers. So does your book carry that part too, that it's not just the employees? Do, does HR ever get involved with that because it's still people? Right, exactly. Yes. Um, you know, volunteering, the volunteer department, when there is one, it can go in any number of departments, depending on the size of the organization. When I was an HR director, I did have the volunteer program under me. I've also seen it in development. I've seen it in admin. But wherever it is, there needs to be a focus on how can we help people um, help us, but even more feel good about their work, feel like, let them know that they're contributing because that's how volunteers are paid in gratitude right. and appreciation and knowing that they're making a difference. Exactly. So that is important that they are treated fairly and that they are encouraged to grow and that they can feel the impact of their work, not just, mm -hmm. I mean, 
licking then, envelopes has its place. Absolutely. Right. But oh, I've done a lot of that. More than that too. <laughs> no, right. I mean, otherwise, why would anybody volunteer if they're not mm. going to feel good about it? Yeah, because right. there's licking they envelopes. Gotta, you don't see the person on the other side getting the envelopes. Exactly. So you, you miss that connection sometimes. But you, so that's you an need to thing. see the, the um, organization that you're volunteer for you need to see what they're doing that's making a change for the better in the world. Otherwise, why would you bother? Mm -hmm. you, you really need to know what the company's about or the organization's about, why they're doing what they're doing, and how it's helping. Absolutely. To be totally invested in it. If you're totally going to be yeah. a volunteer, you need to, to, you have to have that. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to understand the, the organization's goals. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's true of admin, too. When yeah. I worked at an AIDS organization at the height of the epidemic, I mm -hmm. was in administration, so I was in the background. But I would go to staff meetings and say, tell me a story. Mm -hmm. I need to remember why we're working so hard. Yeah. And it's not that I forgot what the mission was, but the stories mm -hmm. make it real. And it wasn't, I didn't need to know who people were. I just needed to hear, we helped this person get housing. That there's a result like for your work. Right. right. I totally understand that. I, I work for mostly, well, animal-based nonprofits to help wildlife and, and animals. And if you don't see a result for your work, that that organization is actually not just petting animals because it's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's got to be accountable. Yeah. Yeah. You have to see that they actually are in the money that they're making actually does do something in the field. Right. That it makes a difference. It can't just be paying for the animals they have caged on their property, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the, the, on the accountability side too, when you are in these organizations for social justice, right? You could be one of those tireless workers and you could be doing, seeing stories. You could be on the psychology side of it. You know, you might be on the therapist mm -hmm. side, but it can, it can run you down. Mm -hmm. You know, what you see and oh, what yeah. you're doing. And you can, like I was saying at the beginning, almost burn out. Um, and it does HR ever step in there to help and let maybe people just, they need a break or um, understand that burden that you have when you're seeing so much. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? There's an Absolutely. emotional toll that can really happen with mm -hmm. different kinds right. of nonprofit work. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think first HR can take, build practices to, to try to prevent burnout, first of all, mm -hmm. because burnout happens again, not just when there is a lot to do, but as you're saying, when there's too much trauma, se secondary trauma, mm -hmm. sometimes primary trauma, or people don't feel like they're making a difference. They don't right. feel appreciated. They don't feel like they're different making a difference. That's when burnout happens. So preventatively, HR can build practices that encourage people to take time off and take a break and um, develop trauma 
based practices to support staff. That's why I'm such a big proponent of supervision because the supervisor is the key person who will support people and recognize the signs of when they're getting to burnout. Right. But it shouldn't so, be looked down upon, right? When absolutely, no, yeah. it needs to be tended to and people need to be cared for. It's like the watch sometimes keeper. Sometimes it's a matter of taking time off. Sometimes it's a matter of you do have too much to do. Let's deprioritize something. Yeah, and it's prevention. However, yeah, how whatever practical intervention is to mm -hmm. help them feel supported and engaged so that they can hopefully come back and continue mm -hmm. the work. And if can not, people, take care of themselves and move on. Yeah, mm -hmm. can people take on too much kind of, I want to save the world and Absolutely. need to be tempered? Absolutely. I think that's yeah. actually something that is fairly common in nonprofits mm -hmm. and in any kind of heart driven work that mm. there's always so much in front of us that needs to be done you know if you're hung you're a hunger organization there's always people oh, wow, who yeah. are not fed and so it does if you're not building the culture that supports self-care and strategic practices mm -hmm. then people are going to feel like they have to work 24 7 and they're going to burn themselves out very quickly. And and they are so, going to feel like, what did I actually do? Right. Did did I make a difference? How I'm not convinced anymore that right. I'm making a difference. And it's up to the organization, in my viewpoint, to make sure that they understand what they're doing and how it is helping. Mm -hmm. And that when they need a break, they need to take a break. But they have to believe in the cause. Right. And they have to believe that what the organization is doing is making a change. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think one of the practices I strongly support is organizations pausing to celebrate what they've accomplished. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, both as individuals and as organizations, we're so focused on, you know, the big mountain in front of us. We don't look back and see that we've climbed some hills. We yeah. are making progress. And it, yeah, yeah. You said, a, you know, when you're talking about a hunger mm. organization, if you fed someone today and they got food in their belly, you've done something just with that. You can't, you've mm. got to take each individual thing. You know, right. it's like, you know, I know you, we take for granted, like I could just take a sip of my tea like I just did. And other people don't have that. And, and you know, we've given to a lot of those organizations, mm -hmm. homelessness. I mean, as, as I mean, everything we owned before we went on the road, we gave to a, yeah. a, a nonprofit that people. helps uh, people that are suffering homelessness and helps them get transition into housing and, and things. And when you go through that, you start you start to really look like oh my gosh yeah. I just took a sip of tea and they can't just do that you know what I mean but right. you, you've got yeah, to just go so okay true. well this is what I can do you know right but stay and sustainable to acknowledge you know we fed 10,000 people last year that's amazing okay. yeah if and you know, doing that, we 10, passed legislation would... right yeah so legislation that is going to make a difference I know because sometimes it's all about fundraising we made this much in fundraising I don't want to hear that. I want to hear just exactly what you said. We fed this many people. Right, right. 
or you want to know where the money's going like hey i've we've raised this yeah, much, so now we can now we can build this wing of the hospital or you know yeah. that kind of so i think it's it is it is about accountability no matter what it's so it is a business and it's people it's well, it the people to, business has to run as a business or it would fail mm -hmm. and yet it doesn't have to run as a, a mainstream business either exactly and not the still lead with our heart and yes right. and which many businesses too i don't want to say all businesses are bad right. there are many businesses no. oh yeah there that, are that support their staff in amazing ways but the way they are run they're they both matter and right. absolutely a nonprofit has to be attentive to the accounting of that but there are little differences too so it's, it's there are and i mean you know we're a business but we do good stuff yeah. but and Absolutely. then and there's i mean we could be a nonprofit <laughs> with our tour we could i was gonna i was gonna ask you this though with, with um going to social justice because your first book supervision matters you know it helps nonprofits and also helps businesses what was it for you that said we need to focus on social justice organizations and really empower them with with your knowledge and uh, with books i know you also help organizations you work with them primarily mm -hmm. online um yeah what what was it for for you to do that so it was a combination of um the organizations I was working with and hearing mm -hmm. patterns through from organization to organization of what was not working mm -hmm. and what worked. And how, again, how staff was feeling like they weren't supported as much as they needed. And so mm -hmm. that really made me think about how can I help share my expertise in a way that can support these organizations and help help them walk their talk, help walk their talk, help their staff feel included and supported and like they are being treated justly. So that mm -hmm. was part of it. And I had written about half the book when the pandemic hit. And so I mm -hmm. had more time to devote to the book. And that of course is also when the George Floyd murder happened and mm -hmm. so many organizations were seemingly suddenly uh, focused on the role of justice. Mm -hmm. And so I really thought for them too, that having some practical advice about how to do more than post a statement of support to really bring those values into the organization in a very down to earth, practical way, mm -hmm. that, that would be very helpful so that was part those two came together for me to write this i book. think that's huge because that's awesome. you talk about george floyd and you talk about standing up and when you're standing up you need to have your foundation underneath you to be able to stand up because mm -hmm. i mean we ob obviously have racism just running rampant in our country we can't ignore that fact it's really mm -hmm. true and so if you're going to stand up for issues that really mean you're going to have to stand up and fight um, then you need to have the foundation so that someone doesn't go, you know, poke that you crumble. Right. And so your team needs to be just as strong. I think it's, it's invaluable. I mean, it, it's, you, you can't fight the good fight or, mm -hmm. you know, stand up and do so much to help, 
you know, homeless kids or, you know, fight, you know, AIDS, we're still, we're still struggling with some of that, you know, we're, and now look at COVID, look how many, so many I mean, issues. And we all know it just is a never ending list, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't really fight it unless you're sustainable and strong as a, as a, as your, a your nonprofit should be a strong community. It is yeah. that right with mm-hmm. good communication skills, I think. Right. Right. Yeah. United for focus and commitment to the mission. Absolutely. Oh. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm so glad you wrote this. This is going to be <laughs> fun. Awesome. I'm gonna, I, I'm, yeah. I know Nancy's been reading it and I've been going through mm-hmm. parts of it and I'm I know like, we're going to yeah. have some good conversations over the next few years and uh, really getting into some of the nitty gritty and so glad you're part of Big Blend Family. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. So I think mm-hmm. um, with everyone going through changes, I think I, I think politicians and leaders should read this kind of uh, material as Absolutely. well, because I think Absolutely. part of why our unrest in this country is that, um, well, the trust is gone. And I think trust is really crucial when you put yourself out there, especially Absolutely. in these, you know, if if you're marching and you get, you know, tear gassed and your company needs to, or your nonprofit needs to support you, if that's something you're going to do together, you know, people get arrested for social justice, uh, standing up for rights. Um, th- I mean, it's just, it's never ending, but well, the, the political sphere, they haven't had a, they are not, um, they're not as, as, as uh, transparent and united as they could be to do what needs to be no, done. And so I think, this goes in there. I think most people, and I know in other countries feel exactly the same. The politicians, leaders, whatever you want to call them, are up here, and all of us are down there. And they're going to tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. And they have never lived our life. They've always had a privileged life. They come from money, good not family. No, but no, not, but in general, that is what people feel. I'm talking about what people think and feel that politicians are rich because you have to be rich to run for office pretty much in most countries. And they come from the upper class and they have not known lifestyle of other people at all. So how can they make laws that help the people in a country? So there's this distress based on distrust because those making the laws are not like the people who have to live by the laws. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, what, yeah, but this is a distrust. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Like the teamwork doesn't, sometimes it doesn't connect with all of us trying to make change that, so there's legislation that comes in with these nonprofits. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, you know, being a public servant is pretty much like a, it should be a nonprofit, right? And so in a, in a way, just a different way, mm-hmm. okay, right. without right. all the legal terms and everything, but it, there's that transparency and trust. So does mm-hmm. trust I go into it. this? Absolutely. Trust mm-hmm. is fundamental to everything we're talking Absolutely. about. You don't build trust and listen to each other, leaders listening to their staff, to their um mm-hmm voting base, whoever it is, yeah. then, then it's going to be hard to move forward together. Exactly. And especially with people who may think differently than you. We, you know, we have to be able to listen to each other. It's right. just like, it you is. know, filling out a survey and you go and put 
you know, one star instead of five. And then people just, oh, we got one star. Well, you know, screw them. You know, right. we're just going to only look at the five star <laughs> reviews, right? You can't, right, right. instead of wondering why, why was that? Right. Exactly. Why are they unhappy? You know, right. so in HR, um, are there principles for or ways that people can come forward and communicate when without fear or feeling they're going to lose their job if maybe the boss isn't is totally mm. missing a huge portion and not hearing um you know are there ways that's the conduit that's what hr does is is so you have to go to the boss and say hey mm -hmm. everybody's saying this about you so you might want right. to take a listen so you have to be <laughs> the in-between person Oh my gosh, you guys all need therapists. Yeah. <laughs> it can be a lonely place. I bet. You can't, you have to keep so much confidential and you are mm. in the middle in many ways, in the best roles of HR. You're in the middle because you want to support the staff. And I have absolutely had those conversations where I've need to tell people, you know, I have some feedback for you and I'm happy to coach you about this, but first let me, oh, wow. you know, just let's just talk about what the concerns are and then we'll make a plan to move forward from here. See, but that's mm -hmm. a really cool thing instead of going, so-and-so said about the blah, 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 and then now you go you fix it. So you it. work forward in coaching of what can right. we do to problem solve and rectify. So right. that kind of gets people instead of, because nobody wants to hear anything that people are complaining about them. Right. Nobody no. wants to. And, you know, no. there certainly are organizations and probably even departments and people where I wouldn't even go and say, so-and-so said this. I would probably more say, you know, I've heard or I've noticed this is happening because even though I would be wanting to protect the person from retaliation, I might not even make it personal that way. I might make mm -hmm. it more generalized feedback. Because yeah. I do want to make it safe for people to come and talk to me without feeling mm. they're going to be exposed. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. So lots of hidden secrets there. Well, this is going yeah. to be fun, like I was saying. <laughs> and everyone, Rita Sever, again, Leading for Justice is her latest book. The other one is Supervision Matters. And you can go to supervisionmatters.com and also see her expert page. And our first interview with you about Supervision Matters on blendradioandtv.com. We're looking forward to this. I, now I want to like do fun. the whole the undercover <laughs> world of the HR staff. What yeah. going to go through? <laughs> That's going to be the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you Great. so much Rita <laughs> well I'm looking forward to our continuing conversation thank you both it'll be fun awesome